0: I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Good morning. I just wanted to start off with saying that The audio quality of the intro and the outro are not great today, but I do want to still keep them because I just couldn't recreate the intro and outro. It was done right after the interview, and it was just so potent, and I just didn't want to lose any of that juiciness. So just bear with me a little bit. It's not horrible quality. It's just done from my computer. I don't know why, but my microphone didn't record. Um, I had the settings wrong, so I am so sorry, but please enjoy the intro. Anyways, here we go. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. Today, I have a very, I think it's just such a great podcast for you. This is episode 45. can't believe that. It's crazy. And my guest today is Lindsay Christensen. And she has been a licensed mental health counselor for more than a decade. And she's helped her clients be their whole selves and grow in their lives and relationships. She's been married, divorced, and everything in between. And her website is www.momentumtherapyservices.com, which I will put in the show notes. And she offers therapy services as well as an online course for divorced women. So today we are going to talk about how to know if divorce is the right choice for you. There's a lot of stigma around this topic, and it's something we don't want to talk about very often. But I think it's such an important conversation because, honestly, that decision has set me free in so many ways to really be authentic and live my life truly in honoring myself and honoring the relationship. I know that sounds weird, Um, the marriage that was. I'm honoring that more in my choice to separate and divorce and honoring my children in the process. We're going to talk about that and hopefully you'll get a lot out of it. Maybe you're struggling with this decision right now and I understand what that feels like and so does Lindsay. We have been there and it can be such a scary, scary decision. But hopefully we're going to be able to shed some light on some things that will make it an easier decision for you if that's where you're at. So when we come back... I'm going to have this amazing conversation with Lindsay. So stay tuned. Are you struggling with your sexual well-being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, you are ready for the Breaking Free from Monogamy eight-week program. In this eight-week program, you will learn How the mono-mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being. How the mono-mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships. How it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security. Why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo. And how the mono-mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am? I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I've always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, many of my clients have said, Corrine, I didn't know I had choices. I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But What if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my 8-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Please go visit offers.kareenbedard.com to go take the free is monogamy right for me quiz and to enroll in the new Breaking Free from Monogamy eight-week program. That's offers.k-a-r-i-n-e-b-e-d-a-r-d.com. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically, everyone. I'm so excited to have my guest, Lindsay Christensen, on today. She is a therapist and she deals with uh, couples and individuals, but we're going to be talking about the D word today. (laughs) We're going to be talking about divorce, um, which is not a popular topic, but I think that authenticity plays a really big role in divorce. And I don't think we talk about it enough. So let's have a talk about it. So Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. Um, Tell us a
1: little bit about yourself and what you do and what you're passionate about. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Karine. Um, And, you know, what I do with people, what I've done for actually more than a decade now, I've been a therapist and what I see sort of over and over again is this question that people come in to my office with often which is um how do i be myself in my life like how do i how do i feel like i'm my whole self and can i do this in the context of the relationships the life the career the um you know the situation that i have mm-hmm. right there's of course there's always like things going on you know with depression or anxiety or sleep issues or nutrition exercise like all these things that people come in with but at the heart of the matter Is that relationships um, really dictate, right? The quality of our lives. Esther Pearl talks about that. You know, the the quality of relationships determine the quality of your life. And it is so true that that is what you experience day to day. And so, really thinking through how to be really authentic and connected in your whole self is what I'm about when it comes to relationships.
0: I'm going to say that again, because I think that's so powerful. And you just kind of skimmed right through that. But Esther Perel, I love her so much. Yes. But you said the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. Yes. And I think that we need to pay a lot more attention to that, because that is not, I repeat, that is not what we are taught in our society. We are actually taught to overlook that because it's selfish. Right. It's like that's you know, the quality of your relationships is just it's another piece of the movie, you know, a piece of the puzzle. It's really not it's not the full picture, so you don't need to worry about that too much. There are other things in life. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize is that we we get to a certain point and then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, I don't have any quality of life anymore. Mm-hmm. Because the quality of my relationship is affecting me so much, and I didn't even see it coming, and it just comes to a head. And I think the older we get, the more awareness we have, and the more we start to recognize who we are and what it is that we want. And it's always chalked up to be like this midlife crisis or whatever, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but like, there's a reason that this happens. It's like we've done all the things, and now we're like, wait a second, there's gotta be more to life than just, you know, bucking up and you know, pushing through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, I just think of all the clients and the people and, and for myself too, right. Like sort of experiencing when you're experiencing relationship distress, if you can think for a moment, you know, as, you know, as you're listening to this, right. Like what is, what has it been like when you have been in some sort of relationship turmoil and how did that affect you? Like getting up in the morning, getting ready for your day, going to work, like parenting, um, uh, you know, trying to make dinner, right? Like trying to go to sleep at night, like trying to sleep all night. Can you even do that? You know, actually, you know, people having trouble with like trying to go to the bathroom. Like there are all kinds of like physical and sort of the the practical things that can show up in your day to day life when your relationships are off and when you're off. Um, and I think like really taking a look at that. Obviously, the only person that you can change really is yourself in this dynamic. So it's really important to be thinking through. Um, kind of like what you talk to people about, which now I kind of talk about that um, in the concept of differentiation, but like, how do we really be ourselves in our relationships so that we can show up to our relationship with quality or determine whether it's a good quality relationship or connection to maintain?
0: And there is this, this idea that like, what we start off with in a relationship might be great and the right fit When we start off in that relationship. So like just because a relationship doesn't suit us anymore and is not healthy anymore doesn't mean that it wasn't healthy in the beginning and that we made the wrong choice. And I think that there's a lot we don't want to look at things because there's this idea that, oh, well, I'm responsible for that. So I just have to suck it up. Mm -hmm. I made the wrong choice in the beginning, but that doesn't necessarily it's not that's not uh, what do you call it? Like. That's not proof of anything like that we change as people. And so with my relationship redesign program, I, I really like talk about like, we don't think twice about redesigning our homes Mm -hmm. and creating a space that fits us. Now there's new Mm -hmm. things that come out, new things that are popular, new designs, new styles that suit us. And we might have changed our style. We might've changed what we enjoy, the colors that we like. Like I used to like really warm colors and now I like the cooler grays. I never thought I would like the grays. Mm -hmm. I like the whites and the grays and everything. And I really was set on these like deeper, richer, warm colors. So that's changed for me. So why, why do I think that my relationship dynamic isn't going to change?
1: absolutely i mean cuz people change life changes that is one thing that is absolutely for certain going to happen to you and and some relationships can withstand that those shifts and changes and that's great and then some can't and that's also great but even that like some can withstand or not withstand even yeah.
0: that is like some sort of pressure for some people right yeah. like the fact that if it can't withstand it then it's not good enough but no yeah. what if what if it's just yeah. like some some things don't have to stay the same. And that's perfectly okay. And we're I talk a lot about the mono mindset in my work mm-hmm. and just how we are programmed and conditioned by our society that we have to follow one trajectory when it comes to relationships. And, you know, it's very informed by religion. And I used to be very fundamentalist Christian, um, evangelical Christian. Oh. I went to. Uh, Tacoma Baptist Schools, <laughs> you know, like when I was in when I was in um, elementary school when I lived yeah. in Tacoma. So you're in Seattle. So, anyways, yeah. I grew up like my a lot of my formative years back then was very immersed in this Christian bubble, um, and we were all taught the same things, right? Like this idea that yeah. sex only before marriage, and that relationships are forever, and all these kinds of things and not necessarily taught that we need to find our soulmate even like in that context, like that was a more like you get married and that's the responsible thing to do. And, and you stay together for the children and to honor God. Right. And Mm -hmm. then out in the quote unquote world, as I would have called it then, but like regular people (laughs) that aren't necessarily (laughs) religious, um, they have a little bit more autonomy that you know, like there's this, this newer concept that you have to find your soulmate and you have to connect on a deep level or they're not the right right person. And there's one soulmate, but like we ignore the fact that like we can connect with a plethora of people on a deep level, but we're conditioned to like ignore that fact. Mm. And then what about the idea that we have more than one child Mm -hmm. and we connect with them in all different ways. Um, And there's no, there's no like limits to how we love and the the fact that we love the children in different ways or whatever. So we just are are programmed with this idea that marriage is the goal and it has to be forever or it's a failure. So let's address this whole failure idea because you said earlier when we were talking that you are divorced. I I am going through a divorce. I've been separated three excuse me 3 years mm-hmm. and um i'm finally about to move on to the next stage where i'm not in the same house with him and i really get to be my own person in a different way on a new level right mm-hmm. so um let's talk about this idea of failure and mm-hmm. first of all why it's seen as failure perhaps and then maybe yeah uh, why it's not failure <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's a big i mean that's a big thing that that a lot of people I talk to, right, have to confront or are confronting, you know, as we're working together, right? Is this idea that the that relationship success is based on the length of the relationship, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, so I think there's like some intricacies there And in as far as how do we define what relationship success means, which is you know the opposite of failure. And so it's like duration of time, or that it just didn't end, right? Like it only ended maybe if somebody died. <laughs> I mean, like, or whatever. And so. Um, but I think that that probably just comes from, you know, a lot of uh, historical, right, like religious sort of infusion of the religious idea of marriage and all of that. I don't know. I'm not a historian. I think I think history is fantastic and amazing. But I think that there's just a lot of cultural and, and societal factors that, that are at play there. Um, and then, but yeah, but so like when people start to question like or start to shift to a different way of thinking, like if I'm not thinking about this in terms of. Um, uh, failure, right? How mm-hmm. am I going to view this? So it, that really does ask of people to start thinking about themselves in different ways, right? Like if I'm not going to define relationship success or failure based on just simply staying married or staying partnered um, with this one person, then how will I define success mm-hmm. for myself? And how will I define um, any of the, you know, positive qualities for myself, like how do I look at relationships? And really it, it asks of people to, I think, really start to think about things in a different way yeah, if they want to feel differently.
0: Yeah. And it opens up the ability to look at other parts of the relationship as successful mm-hmm. or not successful. And I think like right. when you base it only on length of time or together, you're not thinking about your body, how you feel around that person, mm-hmm. your mental health how your children are, what mm-hmm. what they're being exposed to. Like if you're arguing a lot, like we're like, oh no, we'll stay together for the children. But like, what if yeah. you're creating trauma for them on a regular basis by mm-hmm. creating insecurity of them never knowing if there's going to be a fight or not? Like I remember growing up with that mm-hmm. and feeling like I needed to be the mediator always. So I had to grow up. And we talk about parentification. For the most part, I was very well taken care of. But because my parents could not figure out how to communicate and not fight together without exploding at each other, I felt like in order to avoid that kind of energy i needed to sit there and be a mediator between them and try to explain what was going on for each of them which in a sense has prepared me to be to do the work that i do now because i'm so able to see both sides very quickly and i understand the dynamics that happen in a relationship a lot and also what i absolutely did not want right, right. i was <laughs> yeah. really, i was that like i'm going to have the opposite kind of relationship and i'm gonna prove And here's where my downfall is. I'm going to prove that I can make a relationship last and be happy in it. Mm -hmm. Well, then that's the goal. And then I am willing to sacrifice and compromise anything and everything that I would desire because that doesn't push the goal forward. So if I'm not like fighting and standing up for myself, I'm I am avoiding the fight and i am avoiding the the huge conflict that my children would feel right but the conflict stays inside of me yeah and it turns to resentment and it turns to frustration because i don't feel seen and i don't feel mm-hmm. understood and that's okay for so long until it's not <laughs> right and then mm-hmm. if you're again if you're judging it only by length of time then you're not looking at that it's like you're you're it's invisible. You're blind Mm -hmm. to that. But now we take that off the table as the rubric for success. And now we can take a a look. So what are some of the things that you ask your clients to really think about?
1: Okay. I love that you asked this because this is one of my favorite things to talk about with people and to talk about with myself. I do a lot of self-reflection and thinking, and this is my thing, is... um, but I know I mentioned kind of earlier this concept of differentiation, but really what that means is in a oversimplified way is the ability to be really connected to have, to have integration or connection to both your thoughts and your feelings mm-hmm. and to be able to make decisions based on values and not just the impulse or the feeling being driven by that in the moment, right? Really connecting to a higher level of um, awareness and insight into oneself. So it really like it, it's like you get really connected to and get really aware of who you are on a really like core level and what is important to you as a person. And then you use that lens to look at, to hold it up and say, how does this fit in about who I am? But so often when I work with people, they're so um, emotionally merged or fused, right? With their with their spouse um, when they're trying to discern about a divorce, you know, or th- whether this relationship will continue to work or not, that that there is very little differentiation, right? And a lot of fusion. And so it's really hard for people to try to understand and listen to and cultivate that voice inside and the connection to their own personal values. It has been a we for so long, they haven't considered what is I.
0: Yeah, no, that's so good. And I remember I've said this before in different podcasts, but like Mm -hmm that unity candle um ritual at a wedding oh yeah mm-hmm. i remember being so offended or not offended but i wasn't i was so troubled when a, a christian friend of mine wanted to keep her wanted to light the unity candle but keep the individual candles still lit mm. and i was like what are you doing no you have to give up who you are and be meshed right yes. like you've got to be one and mm. that is how you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. And now I think back and I thought she had it right. Like when you lose who you are, you right. lose perspective. And so we talk a lot in my work with about attachments and enmeshment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we talk about um connection, right? Like connection yeah. and enmeshment are very different. Absolutely. But often we're taught that enmeshment is the goal. And, you know, happy wife, happy life. That's (laughs) a perfect example of enmeshment, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you are so afraid to have your own joys and your own decisions and your own Mm -hmm. things because your wife's going to be upset that you give up who you are. And then vice versa, if you're the weaker one, Mm -hmm. I was the one that felt like I was giving up my desires and my needs for the comfort and happiness of my spouse. because they liked more of like a rigid schedule or more, you know, less spontaneity. And so that would rock their world and then they weren't as happy Mm. and not as enjoyable. And so that affected my world. And so then I would just be like, okay, that's not important. I'm just going to let that be. They're not being mean to me. They're not hurting me on purpose. And they're not even aware that this was happening, but because I was enmeshed and I didn't see me as me and him Mm -hmm. as him. It was always a we. There was no room to be individuals, even though I thought I wanted that and I thought I was respecting that. But really at the end of the day, I was putting expectations on the we to meet the me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's, it's so challenging too, because when we connect from a place of, um, um, overvaluing the we and and I'm not saying it's like we don't absolutely people when they're when they're actually experiencing themselves as well differentiated you can connect from a better place you can build a different kind of we right but it's very different than the enmeshed version of um you know if like like I can't do this because they'll be upset and I've got to do this so that I avoid you know like all this stuff that but then you're not really connecting from Mm -hmm a version of yourself that is really true and you won't feel like people don't feel good about that later on after so many months and years you're like you know i don't know that they really you know care about me love me whatever it is right because they're not really connecting with me because i haven't showed up as me exactly like they think they're connecting with the version of
0: me that they think is me yeah but that version is that's a we version (laughs) you know and Again, there's, there's a part of that, you know, like it's, it's so important to like deal with conflict and stuff as a, we, like we have to have that, like we're a unit and we're working together on something as a unit, but just because you're a unit doesn't mean that you don't have individuality and Mm -hmm. and care for yourself and authenticity that you bring to the table. If we think about how we came together to begin with, Mm -hmm. I was me. He was mm-hmm. him. He was attracted to the things about me that weren't him. Yep. I was attracted to the things about him that weren't me that felt like they fulfilled me. But then I, when we got together and we got married, I was like, well, I have to be more like him to be more acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then you lose perspective because yeah. and that's forever. Like that's a long yeah. ask. Yeah. To to yeah. kind of put your desires aside. And then we shame having desires that don't fit the we mold that we've been taught
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we don't know how to express ourselves because that's now selfish or that's, that's not putting the relationship first, but right, like not knowing who you are, you right. can't put the relationship first because.
1: When there can't be a relationship without no. two really like clear and solid individuals, because that's yeah. what creates a relationship, right? Like, that with the people dissolve and go away then the relationship itself doesn't actually exist in the way that we think about it. Or the relationship itself isn't this like mysterious entity, right? Like it's it's between yes. you know, it's between self and other. And so we have to think like what self am I? Like what self am I bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. And what is this other self bringing to the table? And when I constantly like Harriet Lerner talks about de-selfing, right? And I love this concept. It's like if I'm constantly eroding myself, right? as by de-selfing, by sort of catering to the other at the expense of myself, then Mm -hmm. that's also not a really genuine, uh, authentic connection. Right. I'm not doing anybody any favors by, you know. And it doesn't, like
0: I talk about an empowered relationship being not communication. (laughs) And (laughs) people are like, what? How can you say that? It's all about communication. I'm like, well, if you don't feel connected and you don't feel safe, try Mm -hmm. to communicate. Try to speak up. If you don't know if you could speak your truth, then you're not going to speak your truth. And then you're going to be saying words that you think they want to hear. That's not communication. Right. It's not. It's saying what you think needs to be said. That's not true communication. That's manipulation. (laughs) Could be. Yeah. You know, and so... There is a way to communicate in a way that you can understand where they're coming from and you can phrase things Mm -hmm. that, but it has to come from like, I need to know what I'm trying to communicate before I can communicate. Otherwise, I'm just going to blame, which I totally did. Yep. And I do sometimes still. It's my go-to, right? Because that's what I saw in my house. It's like, oh, well, you're responsible for my happiness. You know? And then I really, I really would get triggered by when my ex used to say, you're responsible for, I'm not responsible for your happiness. You're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that had a very clear connection to, I don't give a fuck about your, your (laughs) happiness. And there is an extreme, right? Like, it's like, I'm no longer able to cater to your happiness because I can't please you no matter what I do. And that's a reality Mm -hmm. that we often get into. And then the, then all the therapy and the self-work and everything, you know, like that book, um, the, what is it? The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh yeah. (laughs) This was like a big part to like my ex and I kind Mm -hmm. of consciously uncoupling because, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, you do not need to read that book. You already don't give a fuck. Like, what are you doing? He's like, no, 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 it's not like that, Karine. You know, it's really good about setting boundaries and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you're such an, uh, an avoidant type person to begin with right. and you you desperately need your independence, you're going to see not giving a fuck as a completely different thing than someone who's more of a pleaser. Yeah. And not giving a fuck. And I think instead of not giving a fuck, I think it's like giving space Mm -hmm. to allow someone else to be something that you are not and being okay with that and not putting the expectation on them to meet your need and also not shaming yourself for meeting your own need. Like there's a lot of people... I'm sure you've heard this in your practice a lot where people are like, well, I shouldn't have to tell him what I need
1: because oh, then yes. it
0: doesn't mean anything.
1: Oh no, that's the worst <laughs> not right? one no, that's I'm not like, the worst but that is one of the top that's
0: what we're taught like we how many songs I know. songs and I know. books mm. and oh the romance novels
1: you yeah know, where
0: you guys can can read everything that they need and they show up and they do all the things and then we get this mm-hmm. fantasy like it's a fantasy right? A perfect man is going to know exactly what I need, but he's a man. He has a different upbringing than you. He has totally different way of seeing the world. We've got to be clear about that, right? When we come together. Right.
1: Well, we have to, and we have to be clear that like, people are not psychic. They're not supposed to read your mind. They're not supposed to know what you need or want. And it is frustrating. Like, That's the thing that's hard is that it's like it's it's both sides of this coin around like it's hard and frustrating to constantly feel like you have to like maybe you've laid it out a million times and you've said exactly what it is you need or want or whatever. Um, And then the other person to either not be able to do that or say they won't do it or what like whatever's going on with that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we really have to also realize that it's also acceptable for people to not be able to meet our needs. And I say that in quotes, because if it's a need, I, I don't know if it's a need and you don't have it. Right. Like Byron Katie says, how do I know I don't need it? Cause I don't have it. Like I don't have it. So I don't need it. Um, but like, it's really hard because it's also, there has to also be room in the relationship to say like, that's not something I'm able to do. Right. Or I'm not available for that right now. Or I love you. And it's. And no. that's okay.
0: And yeah. that's okay. And. And. To me, this right here, this concept is why Mm -hmm. I think ethical non-monogamy is so beautiful as an option, as a choice, because I now can totally release my partner from the need to fill all of my needs. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to be the person who meets all my needs. I don't have to have the huge intellectual conversations with him because that's not who he is he can do that for so long but he doesn't get a thrill out of that like i do i nerd out on psychology and all that kind of stuff so i have other people in my life other men even or other friends that i can totally do this with and i can have these conversations feel completely fulfilled and then give him the like you know cole's notes version if he if he has the energy for it but you know what i get the forehead kisses i get the loving texts i get the mm-hmm. hugs i get the I am seen on a regular basis. I can be myself. I can rest and relax and be calm in my body around him. And so I talk a lot about non-negotiable needs. Mm -hmm. And like, if I'm going to invest my time in someone, what are the non-negotiables that I have to have in order for the amount of energy I'm going to invest, right? And so with some people, the investment of time and energy is much less And so the non-negotiable needs that I need from that person are going to be different. Right. But if we're going back to like a relationship or a marriage that's supposed to last forever, Mm -hmm. like what kind of non-negotiable needs did you recognize that you had that you were like, whoa, these are actually never going to be met? And am I okay with that? Because at the end of the day, we, if it has to last forever, we have to force the fact that these needs need to be met. But if it doesn't have to last forever and that's not a failure anymore, now we get to say, okay, well, that's you. That's what you need and that's what you enjoy and that's okay. What can I live with and live without? And is that enough to make this work? Can, am I going to choose to stay here and not have that need met? Or is that part of my non-negotiables that I'm sorry, you can be you and and enjoy and be yourself, but that doesn't have to be with me anymore.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, this is actually a great question that I think that most people when they're in sort of a discernment phase of like, do I, yeah, do I stay or do I go are contemplating. And um, And I think it's valid and really worthy to have a really clear conversation about those non-negotiables. And, the, and, and so often, like, just sort of as a precursor to that, is that kind of what we were talking about before is this idea of like, how do you know what your non-negotiables are? Some people are really disconnected from that clarity in themselves. And so like, that's part of my job is helping people really begin to define what it means for them to be happy, healthy, like in a good relationship or, or um, a good relationship with themselves. I'm sorry, first, yeah, yeah. Um, bef- like, yeah, in addition to being connected to others. And I think that at the end of the day, sometimes people bring forth their non-negotiables. The other person says, "Well, your non-negotiables are in conflict with my non-negotiables." and then they have to go their separate ways. And that does happen. But I think that that is um, when when you take a clear position, and I tell this to my clients all the time, and I tell it to myself, when you when I take a clear position, that is going to have a a strong impact. right? So the clearer that I can be, the better it can be for the system. Because if I take a clear position, um, it forces everyone around me to also become clear. So if somebody brings forth their non-negotiables, it's so much easier for then the other person to go, oh yeah, you know what? Like I've got this non-negotiable or I've got this need or whatever. But but sometimes it takes somebody first getting clear for themselves Mm -hmm. um, in the relationship. And so that is incredibly important never underestimate my mentor told me this never underestimate the impact of taking a clear position and i think it is so true and um it shows up time and time again in my life and in my work um that taking a clear position becoming clear um whatever that is right and people get really caught up in well what is my position what is the best decision to make what what should i do what's right or wrong it's like no 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 this mm-hmm. is actually is not about being right or wrong it's about connecting to your values and going, I'm going to do the best that I can and make the best decision that I can with my position and then go from there.
0: Yes. Are you familiar with um, Glennon Doyle?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she said
0: something that changed my life when it came to this decision, because it's so wrapped in failure, right? Like, and, and I think I mentioned earlier that like my ex and I, We were married 22 years. It'll be Mm -hmm. 26 years this summer, right? Like, Mm Yeah, 20 almost 23 oh. years we were married. So, um we still live in the same house mm-hmm. and you know, so I'm still counting it, right? I've been married 25 yeah. years. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause> I just <laughs> I think I it counts but regardless. Yeah. <laughs> does it matter? No, but again, there comes that programming. Oh, I made it to 25 years, right? No, I didn't make it to 25 years. Is it that I made it or didn't make it? No, that doesn't yeah. even matter.
1: Right.
0: I had a successful relationship for 22 years. And then I decided to consciously come forward with my desires, my Mm -hmm. thoughts, my emotions and validate them for myself first. Yes. And go, wait a second, just because someone else doesn't value that for me doesn't mean that that is invalid. Yes. And that is step number one is you have to come to the place where you value yourself Mm -hmm. enough to Mm -hmm. go and take a clear position based on who you are and and what you have claimed as your desires and fantasies and needs without judgment on yourself. Because as long as it's a failure, we judge it. Right. So. I finally came to that position where I was like, I consciously choose this Mm -hmm. and these are my non-negotiables. And I remember writing a letter and, um, and I mean, I was always much more emotional than, than my ex, right? Like my Mm -hmm. ex-husband, very stoic, very like my rock, right? He was always my rock. And, um, I needed that in my 20s. Absolutely needed that cuz I had a chaotic household, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up. And so my nervous system needed to to understand what it felt like to sort of be calm and not in chaos all the time. Yep. But then I became okay and I started to, you know, go, hmm, you know, now I'm falling into feeling like I'm not enough if I'm not like this person or, you know, all these things. And life happens and it's busy with kids. Like my kids are adults now. My youngest is 17. So like it it changes things. It changes you as a person. And I remember writing this letter and I used to write letters and they'd be like so long. But the always the the, the end result was that he needed to He needed to understand that and then meet those needs in order for Mm. things to be okay. Mm -hmm. But that felt like manipulation to him. And I totally see that now Mm -hmm. because like if he didn't give the right answer, I wasn't happy. Like it was like, if you're not going to meet these terms, then I'm not happy and I'm going to keep pushing for that because we have to stay together forever. So it has to happen. So then you compromise on both sides and you make that happen. So, this letter was different. I was like, no, okay. So, we're stuck together in the house for COVID. These right. are the things that, if I'm going to make it, I absolutely need this from someone. And this, like, from my person, like, if you're my person, then these are the very bare, the bare, the bare minimums, right? These are the bare minimums that I need. And they were bare minimums to me just bare minimum. So I was like, these are my non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. I can live with other things. I don't even need to be your favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't need to be number one. You don't have to spend all your time with me, but like, I need cuddles at least once a day just mm-hmm. to like, help me get through this time. I need to know that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm valuable. I'm worth some little bit of your time. Whatever. Doesn't matter what the terms were, but this was my non negotiables. And he was like, Well, that feels really rude. And I feel like I, it feels manipulative to me because I feel like I'm being put in a corner. And I was like, Absolutely not. And this was like, this was my clear position, right? I was for the first time, I was like, Absolutely not. You do not have to agree to these terms. You don't even have to want them. You can say absolutely no, but that will affect my decision. Yes. And at Absolutely. the end of the day, what you decide will inform my decision and I will be okay with that. Yes. And so then we had this conversation. It's like, well, you know, it's always been hard. And, you know, um, even if I gave it a hundred percent, it's always going to be difficult. We've always had to work so hard. And I was like, yes, we have. Mm-hmm. And it, we've always worked hard. We've always made it work. We've always like come together. And and. It's so I was like, out of curiosity, though, like, what percentage are you willing to give? If, if you're like, if I gave 100, would it still always be hard? I was like, so what percentage are you willing to give? He's like, honestly, I think about 10%. And I was like, what? And everything made sense to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have been like banging my head yeah. against the wall, feeling like I'm nothing for so long when this person is only giving 10% of their energy to me. No wonder I feel that way, mm-hmm. but that's their choice. And now I know, mm-hmm. and I don't have to, I don't have to stand for that. And that's okay. I can let that go and I can honor myself. And so that's why I was like, okay, then let's separate. And, you know, and, and okay. that's, that's how the conversation went. And we both agreed to that. And we both agreed that was the best decision. And there was no like, Wailing and gnashing of teeth and all these things, right? Because Mm -hmm. we were both at a place where we knew kind of what our clear positions were. We knew that neither of us wanted what the other person wanted at this point in our lives anymore. And we were just beating our heads against the wall trying to make those two visions fit. Yeah. But we were so different
1: at this, point. it was actually different at the core. Yeah. yeah. Like what you wanted for sure. I mean, that's a discrepancy. And so many times, like you can have people um, like what you're talking about, where it's like you're you're saying the same things, right? Or you're agreeing to something that maybe you're not really like into or whatever, right? Like, or you're not really communicating, like, here's what I actually want. Well, actually, I'm not really open to that or mm-hmm. I can't give you that or whatever, right? But mm-hmm. when you actually have the conversation about it with that clarity, with like a specific and clear, like. Um, idea or position or principle Mm -hmm. about it, Mm -hmm. things become clear Mm -hmm. and then you can make better decisions. It's all the time. I see this all the time.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think like there's this idea that that's a cop out to leave. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that was the bravest, bravest decision I ever made in my life. It is terrifying. It's terrifying because I had been a stay at home mom. I didn't have a full time career. I was a music teacher and I taught from home and mm-hmm. like all of a sudden COVID hits and like, I was a singing teacher. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> singing is now singing is dangerous. <laughs> and I was a choir director too. And that concert got, so it's like, I'm making this most important decision and mm-hmm. sacrificing my safety at its core in a sense and, mm-hmm. and choosing myself and choosing the good of my family. And I remember like when we presented it to the kids, it was mm-hmm. just like a very like normal thing. And they're like, I'm surprised you stayed together this long. And I was like, wow. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> it was just like this really normal, yep. kind of like dub mom and dad. Like, this is this makes yeah. sense. And um, it didn't have to be like this all-out mm-hmm. battle. And I love that. And I like to share mm-hmm. that story because. Yeah, it was not easy. It was devastating yeah. in a lot of ways. Like my hopes and dreams were dashed and now I failed and I pr- I'm i not proving that I can make a- my marriage last forever like like I had set out in my vows. Mm. But that's not what it's about. Yeah. Like are the vows more important or is each individual, I wasn't making yeah. him happy. He He wasn't making me happy and that's yeah. not what it's about. But like we were, literally taking away from each other's happiness Mm -hmm. by trying so hard
1: Mm -hmm. to fit. Yeah. Well, Well, and sometimes the most loving thing that we can do for the other person and ourselves is to call a spade a spade, you know, (laughs) to have that honest conversation, you know, and to be really real about it. Like this ain't working, you know, or like, this is not it. And, and it's not because, it's not for mm-hmm. lack of
0: trying.
1: Oh, yeah. People it's are trying. not giving try... up. No, that's, yeah. Like, the people I see, and most people have tried and tried and tried, and they've tried every which way from Sunday, all sorts of different things. And they usually want to just try one last thing, one more thing. Can I just go one more? Like, it's sort of like, you know, you, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, how much information do I need to make a decision? You know, like. Yeah what do I really need here in order to make a quality decision for myself? Cause there is a, always the gap between like what you know and what you don't know and making yeah. the, the right decision. So you have to go, well, if I have enough I have 80% or whatever, and then I can leap with the rest of the 20% right? because that's what it is. Do you, I found this too. Like
0: um, I was more, when I was really real with myself, I was more committed to the hope of what could be. Oh, yes. Then the actual situation. And when I actually took a look, I was like, yeah. it doesn't matter if I see all the potential in this person. If that's not who they want to be, mm. then that's my version of their potential. And now I'm saying they're not enough uh-huh. if they don't meet this potential. So, like, they feel that energy. They feel right. like they're not enough. Right. So I'm putting pressure on them to be something that they don't want to be in order for me to go, oh, we're living
1: out the hopeful situation of what I envisioned. Right. Yeah. I was married to the hope. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so funny when you said that, like the hopeful version, I was also thinking of the other thing, which is like once, you know, once um a person decides, right? Like, you know, for me deciding to say, well, actually, I think I'm going to do something else now. And I, you know, I'm not going to continue this marriage. It's like, I was really connected to the hope of what could be there, right? Like, instead of the fears of all the other crap that, Mm. you know, could exist and did exist afterwards, that's like, that's just whatever. But like, there has to be like an anchor point to, some sort of hope or trust in the future process, right? And 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 trust that you know you'll make the best decision that you can every day, one step at a time. It's not one decision. It's not cool. I'll get this divorce and everything will be fine. No, it's, <laughs> it's like
0: process, it's
1: right? Like-, like no, like every day I'm gonna be making choices about mm-hmm. my well being or my kids or whatever. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, is there anything that you wanted to share about your experience of making that decision that you think would be helpful? Because I've shared a lot of my experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that I share. It's like I like to share my part of the experience, kind of in a way that might be helpful for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. And so I think what is helpful is to, for me, is to begin to change thinking around what, like, kind of what we talked about. What is success? Like, Mm -hmm. how would you define a successful life and relationship? Right. So I really had to look at what that could mean and and kind of detach from or disconnect from the idea of judgment about divorce and about like, oh, it's going to be this horrible nightmare, this awful thing for my kids. Like, it's not great. Like, that's that's fine. But like, it's also what you make it. And you have like you're in charge of your own experience and simply not getting a divorce so as you can see, I do a lot of like mental tricks. So like for myself, so simply not getting a divorce does not safeguard my kids or my life or my future against difficult experiences. So it's really not like, it's it's about completely shifting. I think in the best case scenario, completely shifting away from, I need to try to protect my um, kids from having bad experiences to I need to learn, I need to help my kids. My, my role as a mom is to help my kids learn how to handle difficult experiences and like get through their life. Right. And I need to do that for myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also really disconnecting from, yeah, like a right or a wrong decision. Um, because it's not really, again, like I said, it's not so much about whether the divorce itself will be right. People hem and hawk people can hem and haw over this for a long time. And obviously for a good reason, it's a big decision. I know that for me, it took me, um, probably like a year or more of like more of the hemming and hawing stage. Um, (laughs) But once I sort of gave myself permission to, I'm trying to think back, like this was quite a long time ago. Once I gave myself permission to have one, a different experience than I had as a kid to allow for the possibility of something to be different Mm -hmm. and to, to be more connected to listening to myself and honoring myself um, the decision became clear. Like these things do not fit. I cannot continue. So it is, you know, time to do something
0: different.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Also, really trusting. I think a big piece for me was like, can I handle this or life or whatever? Right. Like on my own. I worked, but I, you know, it wasn't like I was. I wasn't, you know, contributing the main income to my household and all of that stuff. So it's like, how can I get through this experience? Um, I I had never actually really lived alone, by the way. Mm. Um, And so it was like a big leap for me. And um, but I just sort of had this like optimism and trust that like, you know what? If I really trust, if I trust myself, then what decision will I make? Right. If I can know that everything is going to be okay, no matter what. What decision will I make? And that chain, that one question actually changed everything for me. If I knew that I would be okay no matter what, what will I do? And I'm like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do because the one thing I'd been fearing—if I eliminated that fear because I trusted, then I knew I could, I could do it. Mm. Yeah. So like, no problem. I mean, not no problem, but you know what I'm saying. So yeah. Yeah, I love that. What would I do? Oh,
0: thank you so much. Well, yeah. we need to start like yeah. closing this conversation down, which is sad because it's been so much fun. Um, but I just think it's such an important conversation and I really yeah. appreciate you engaging in this topic with me and just having the chance to talk with you about it because it's yeah. it's a scary yeah. scary decision and we are always going to be met in our society with judgment about it especially from parents and family oh the kid mm-hmm. have you thought about the kids and stuff it's like yeah actually yes. i really did think about the kids and that's why in the end i chose this because i am no good to my kids mm-hmm. if i'm no good for mm-hmm. myself and right. so if i'm constantly in a mental health crisis then how am i there for the kids know. you know and so yeah and and the kids learned that things don't have to be perfect in order to adapt. And and I love this idea of modeling for our children yeah, how to get through hard times and not to just pussyfoot around it and hide, yeah. you know, and you know, that this stigma in schools and everything that, you know, like, Oh, two parent home is the more like they're fed this idea. Oh, it feels so bad for mm-hmm. them. They're just like in a single home, single yeah. parent family. And it's like, yeah, but what if it's a, like a very joyous single single yeah. family home, you know, and before or single parent yeah. home and before it was just filled with like tension and frustration and that I had no energy or or room. I know that my parents had no room for me emotionally sometimes because mm. they were so caught up in their own stress and trauma of the fighting. Mm. And so I ended up learning to just do things on my own and be there for myself and all that which is not a bad thing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I wish they would have been honest with themselves at some point too, you know, that that's, that wasn't necessarily the best for them. So I don't know. There's, there's no right way. You have to, you have to honor yourself. And that's, that takes trusting yourself and loving yourself and having confidence in yourself um, and unless you can do that, you may never have the strength to step out mm-hmm. on your own and do what is needed for you to take mm-hmm. care of you. So, yeah. well, if people want to find you and work with you or, you know, find more of your work and, and you know, your what wisdom and all these things, <laughs> where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so my practice uh, for clients like for mental health counseling. I'm licensed in Washington state and Arizona as well. Um and, and you can find information about that on momentumtherapyservices.com. That's my practice website. You can also find there the link to my course which is called Live Your Divorce and that is a post divorce or in the middle of divorcing um personal growth and transformation course and program online. That is delivered all online to women. And so you can find it there or liveyourdivorce.com. And my Instagram is wholeselflindsay. Wholeselflindsay. And that's Lindsay with an A.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And yeah,
0: wholeselflindsay. Oh, thank you. I will put yeah. the, um, these links in the show notes. Okay. And people can... Yeah use the show notes and and find you if they wish. But thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate um, you being here today, last minute even. So awesome. And I really really enjoyed this conversation and hopefully we can have more conversations in the future. Absolutely, Kareem. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. This was such an important conversation. I'm so glad that Lindsay was here to have this conversation with me. It's not an easy conversation to have and it's not a popular conversation. And I think as therapists, um, marriage counselors, relationship designers, people in our field, it's not something that is popular opinion because people want to come and fix their marriages, which in a lot of cases, that that totally can work and that totally can be the case. Um, but there are times when we get to shed light on who you are as a person and and really measure what success means and put a different rubric in place to gauge success. And sometimes that means that we have to change what we think of as a successful relationship. And maybe that means that you go your separate ways and that's not a popular thought and nobody wants to be seen as like the person who breaks up relationships but that's not at all what it is it's loving and seeing our clients in a very personal way and helping them come to terms with how they're not living authentically sometimes and what would it take to live authentically and sometimes that creates an awareness of the fact that they don't at all have the same non-negotiable needs. They're not in alignment at all. And they may have once been in alignment, but we are allowed to change as people. And that doesn't define who we are. It doesn't define us as failures or not failures. So I really want us to be able to shift our perspective in my eight-week program. That's one of the big awarenesses is that I get to not... Forbid myself from having emotions and thoughts and desires that are contrary to what we've been taught is allowed. We're allowed to explore every thought, emotion, and desire. We're allowed to try it on for size. And from there, we get a different knowing of ourselves, a deeper knowing of who we truly are at our core. And many of us who have been in relationships for a long time, who have seen forever as the the goal, have forgotten who we are at our cores. We have put that aside to be a mom, to be a wife, to be a friend, whatever it is. Sometimes we have forgotten what it is we actually like, who we are, what our desires are, what brings us joy, what brings us pleasure. And we're allowed to think about that and we're allowed to figure that out. There's nothing wrong with that. And from there... We get to make decisions about our relationships, but to just go and fix a relationship without doing that other work, sometimes it's just a recipe for disaster because maybe it'll be fixed for a little bit, but if you're not in alignment at all anymore, you're just going to give up more of who you are in order to make that fit. And that's not necessarily going to be good for your mental health. It's not going to be good for your children. It's not going to be good for your relationship in the end. So I'm challenging you to just be open to learning about who you are and what you value. Just be aware, aware of your conditioning, aware of what you've been taught is okay and not okay. And leave room for change, leave room for growth, and leave room for authenticity. So as I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have an amazing day. And if you need to talk, reach out to me. Or reach out to Lindsay. I love you all. Thanks for being here. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corinne Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at corinnebedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.